0: to listen to cjello 1690 am this is the onomatopoeia show where we talk about all graphic arts all the time and that was the ramones doing spider-man because we love spider-man and for those of you that actually listen to my show i'm sorry i need to apologize to you because um i promised that this show would be a continuation of the sandman uh that i was doing retrospective and I changed my mind. And initially, I changed my mind and I was going to play Glenn Wool and Sam Simmons, the two interviews I did with stand up comics that were here during the Just for Last Festival. But it's completely useless because those interviews were done during the week and now their shows are completely over. So, like, there's no point in me. I am going to play it next week, but there's no point in me promoting it this week because I- I'd be like, go see them! But you can't because you missed your t- chance. You missed your chance! Anyways today what we are going to talk about is somebody who's actually a friend of mine who uh, is premiering one of his films at the Fantasia Film Fest. And when I say friend, I use that word loosely. He used to babysit me. so <laughs> But it made for a really good interview. And his movie looks quite exciting. It's called Cold-Blooded. And we're going to talk about it a bit more. But I wanted to Give you a little bit of a lowdown of some of the films that I've seen at Fantasia so far. Uh, I got the first one I went and saw was Reign of Assassins, and that was a Chinese Wuxia film with Michelle Yeoh in it. And it was very Shakespearean in its tragedy, but also in its humor. And one of the plays that reminded me a lot of is Twelfth Night, where how it's like really, it can get really uh, sad, but then get really hilarious, and there's a lot of uh, mistaken identities rolling around there. So it was, uh, Michelle Yeoh is still a fantastic actress. She conveys so much in the slightest of looks uh my favorite scene in reign of assassins because the whole story is about like how she used to be like this um this character drizzle who is like this bad chick in this bad crew of ninjas and they're trying to find uh the full body of this buddhist monk because it says whoever has the powers or whoever has the full body of the buddhist monk gets complete martial arts powers and so but the thing is is over time she starts to realize that her choices were not that great and maybe she should be um err more on the side of calmness and not killing people and so she gets her face changed and and starts a new life in the city and she falls for um, this uh, quiet innocuous sort of uh, courier, and they eventually get married and it all comes to a head um, because of course the bad ninja clan is still looking for the corpse the body of the corpse and she has half of the corpse and it all comes to a head when there's this massive bank robbery, and sh- the, the the ninjas go around and they do this, like, pressure point thing, knocks everybody on their butts, and they can't move, and then, um, really, the robbery is just a mask for, uh, to find, they're trying to still find the other side of the corpse, and so, once they don't find it, the, the leader of the ninjas is just like, okay, that's it, kill everybody, so... It becomes this amazing scene where Michelle Yeoh is looking at her husband. They're both in the bank and they're both paralyzed and it's like, do I reveal myself and save his life or do I just lie here and be killed? And, you know, nothing is said but it's just so powerful. And then comes this most hilarious moment where she's like, I don't want my husband to know what I'm doing. So she throws him in this chair, spins the chair around and then beats the living crap out of all the other ninjas. Meanwhile, the husband can just hear what's going on and I'm not going to tell you anything more because it really is a fantastic movie so head on down to Chinatown and see if you can get it there but because I don't think it's going to be coming to big screens that's the sad thing about Fantasia. Now the other one I saw was um, Stray Cat Rock Sex Hunters which was like the second movie in a series uh, starring the actress who'd been in Lady Snowblood and uh, Female Convict Scorpion two movies I really really like and it was the weirdest movie I'd ever seen. Well no that's an exaggeration because I've seen a lot of weird movies but the thing is about this movie that was odd is that you know, you think it's like one of these teen dramas. It's about, like, a boy gang and a girl gang, and they, they're not really getting along, and they're supposed to be, and one of them's falling in love with this other person, and so the, one of the guys in the boy gang is getting all mad. And then it becomes this thing about, like, how the leader of the boy gang hates all mixed races. It's a Japanese film. And so, and this is in, it, it came out in the 70s, in 1970. And so... Him and his gang have, have decided to just go around and start beating the living crap out of anybody who's a mixed race, and it's it comes becomes really harsh and tragic, and like horrible things start to happen to the girl gang, and it I it, like. I really enjoyed that movie until the very end because in the very end it just stopped making sense completely and then I was like okay I was really on board with this movie and in, in all levels because you know there's you know there's some some raping and there's some uh you know like just beatings and just some really like harsh things but you know I'm like okay I understand this is part of the movie I get it but the very end I was just like okay that makes no sense and when I was leaving the theater not one but two other people were talking to their friends going that made no sense so I wasn't alone but anyways that's the greatest thing about Fantasia is there's so many awesome things being shown and there's so many awesome things you can see now. I just want to give you a lowdown of who we're going to be talking to in a few minutes. Well, actually listening to, rather. Um, I interviewed him yesterday. His name is Jason Lepere He is a writer-director, also a producer and a cinematographer. He's done many, many things, um, but currently at the Fantasia Film Fest, his movie Cold-Blooded is being shown on Tuesday. And as well, one of the movies he produced is being shown tonight, uh, called The Captured Bird. Now, the thing that I found really fascinating about Jason is that he's got three movies coming out this year. Um, the one is Cold-Blooded, which we just mentioned, which is actually this movie about um, sort of uh, a robbery gone wrong, a prisoner's taken to the hospital, uh, the head leader of the robbery wants his diamonds, and so the police woman who's in charge of looking after the injured robber has to band together with the robber and sort of defeat these scary other robbers who are harsh and icky and are hunting them in this hospital. It's a, It looks like a majorly intense movie of cat and mouse. And then the other two movies he's got is, one was called Faceless which is a documentary about um, a psychiatry patients seen from their, through their own eyes uh, at, at the psychiatric unit in Toronto. And then the third one is called I Declare War, which I actually wish I could really, really see, but I'd have to go to Toronto to see it. <laughs> but anyways... I Declare War looks like this fascinating movie about how, like, I, I don't know about you guys, but growing up in Germany with my brothers, we were very war-obsessed. Uh, we come from a military family. Uh, that's how I know Jason. His, his father and mother are friends with my father and mother. But the thing is, is, like, we would always play these war games, like, always, no matter what. I, I remember playing them from age, like, nine on. And... In this movie, I Declare War, it's the same thing. It's a bunch of 12-year-old guys and one girl, and they're playing this really serious war game. But the thing is, is it's all alive in their world. So you see it through their eyes. So it's not just sticks and stones. It's like, you know, bazookas and grenades. It's like rifles, and there's it gets gory, but it's never really real gore. But the thing is, is it becomes like an allegory for um, leadership issues and, you know, how when you're a 12-year-old, everything is so mega serious. So, like, that, to me, I'm re- I'd am really love to see that movie but anyways, he's a tour de force. Really, anyway, I am just going to play the interview. You're listening to CGLO 1690 AM. This is the Onomatopoeia show where we talk about all graphic arts all the time. In case you're wondering what the graphic art angle is here, uh, Jason really loves comics. And uh, for every movie you ever make, there has to be a storyboard. So there, that's the graphic art angle. All right. This is the interview with Jason LePaire, who's the writer and director of Cold Blooded, which is premiering at Fantasia on Tuesday, CJLO, 1690 AM. What was the first film that affected you? Ever? Yes.
1: Uh, the first film that, that the first film that truly demonstrated to me the power of cinema was definitely Iron Eagle. <laughs> Without a doubt, because... Um, Not like The Great Escape, like there no, are better war no, movies. No, 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 <laughs> it was definitely Iron Eagle, because I remember uh, it was the first movie that my dad uh, let me go to by myself, like I wasn't accompanied by my parents, and we were actually living in Montreal at the time, and he took uh, he took me to the theater with my friend and dropped us off. We watched this cheap Top Gun rip-off, and then he took us home, and I, I very distinctly remember when I went to bed that night and closed my eyes, I could see... Like, like jets and explosions and like you know like huge fireballs and I was just like wow nothing has ever like tripped me out this hard before so I uh, definitely Iron Eagle is what started my path down filmmaker lane.
0: Now when did you know you wanted to be a filmmaker?
1: Uh, that was that was uh, a really long complicated road of like me having to admit to myself that that's what I really wanted to do. So I was totally obsessed with movies um, from, from probably like grade 10 on, but I could never quite like work up the courage to be like, I want to make a movie, because it always was so scary and so intimidating and so... for like it just seemed like an alien thing, like how do you get to be a filmmaker? So I went through these stages of like, well, I'll be, uh, you know, like a film professor. Yeah, that's what I'll do, I'll be a film professor. And so I finished my film degree and I go and do my master's. Like, well, you know, this isn't really what i to do. Uh, you know what I'll do? I'll be a cinematographer. Yeah, yeah. I'll be a cinematographer. And then I, I explored that for a little while. and I was like, well, you know what? I'll be a screenwriter. That's what I'll do. I'll be a screenwriter. And then eventually, I was like, no, man, you're never gonna actually be satisfied unless you direct a film. And it didn't actually get to that point until I was like in my late twenties, you know. So I didn't actually start making films until I was like 28 or 29. So much later than most people.
0: Now, did it? Did the fear also come a little bit from your upbringing? Because I know, like, with my father, it was. Like okay yeah you can be an actress but you have to have something to fall back on exactly. it's never
1: well the line I gave my dad and you'll really appreciate this is that um, I didn't want to go to RMC because I didn't like their film program <laughs> <laughs> <That's
0: good reason. laughs>
1: which he totally understood right but I I have to admit my parents have actually been incredibly supportive like there was even this weird detour I took in this process of denying what I really wanted where I thought I was going to be an entertainment lawyer mm-hmm. to the point where I wrote the LSAT and That's I bizarre. I got accepted I got accepted to to law school at UBC and I moved to that's why I moved to Vancouver was to go to law school at UBC and I actually set the record at UBC for the fastest dropout because <laughs>
0: was it one day it was one class
1: <laughs> I went into my first class and at the end of the first class I broke my pencil and I walked to the dean's office mm-hmm. and I was like I'd like to drop out and she said you know part of my job as the dean is to talk you out of this decision but we've never had anyone come so quickly <laughs> so why don't I just sign the plan yeah. for you so she no signed then, and then I had this this like this awful moment where I was like I have to call my parents and tell them I just dropped out of law school and they were totally cool they were like hey man just do whatever makes you happy so very for a, for a, a colonel in the military he was pretty understanding that's awesome Yeah.
0: so the first film you that you wrote and directed was uh, Director's Cut in 2006 how autobiographical was that?
1: extremely 100% totally autobiographical <laughs> um, it was that I, uh, I was paying the bills and learning about filmmaking by being a production assistant which is basically like a coffee getter right um, like the lowest rung on the film industry uh, ladder and so I literally would stand next to directors who would tell me to drive to a fromagerie across town and get them these two different kinds of Belgian cheese, like it, it really does happen, so it was very much a film of like I want to murder a film director as from like a PA's perspective so yeah, it was totally out, of, out of
0: And what kind of attention did you get when you made that film?
1: Not much um, I mean, I, one of the most uh, sort of reassuring pieces of advice I ever got was when I saw saw uh, an interview with Michael Mann and he said um, it's very important as a young filmmaker to make terrible short films because that's how you learn yeah. right and so I considered I very much consider that one of my terrible short films I'm not super proud of it it was kind of like me trying to imitate filmmakers that I admired it was me trying to make a Coen Brothers movie and mm-hmm. failing horribly right so um, it got into a couple of small festivals I, I it did get me an agent that was the first time I got an agent was as a result of that film so that's something, um, but uh, you know, in the big picture, it didn't really get me much attention at all.
0: Yeah, but an agent I think is kind of imperative to what you're trying to
1: accomplish, it? It was, it? yeah, <laughs> and, and it was that getting the agent was what um, allowed me to move back to Toronto as well, and that's where, you know, you sort of have to be in Canada to have a feature film career, so that, I, I guess it did sort of play a part that way.
0: Now, prior to that, you were doing rap videos? Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, is that, that
0: because of a great love of rap, or some of these people were your friends? or Both.
1: I mean, uh, along with Comic books and movies, hip hop is like a huge obsession of mine, and when I'm obsessed with something, I'm not like halfway with it, right? I try to do it as, as, as intensely as I can. And so, um, when I first started making films, I went to Winnipeg because I knew it was a cheap place to live, and I knew about the Winnipeg Film Group, which is this amazing organization that helps filmmakers make films very cheaply. And uh, I had a lot of friends in Winnipeg because I was posted there as a child, my dad, my army brat, and uh, a lot of my friends in Winnipeg were uh, rappers and DJs in the hip hop. A very amazing uh, people don't know this but Winnipeg has an amazing hip-hop scene so I just showed up in Winnipeg and was like who wants a rap video nice. <laughs> and lots of people said yes so that's what I did and I loved making those films
0: now a couple of them were in black and white and I was wondering what your attraction to black and white film was
1: well I think any filmmaker loves black and white film um, it's uh, any true filmmaker loves um, you know films from the 40s and 50s and 60s that were in black and white and I don't no, you know it's 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 an aesthetic. it's just an aesthetic. Um, Do
0: you think there's affection. like a a clarity to that sort of film? Yes,
1: absolutely. I mean, I think it, it. there's something about black and white that is more truly filmic, you know, like you don't see a lot of video in black and white, there's something more filmic about black and white and, uh, you know, like a lot of artistic decisions, it's just it's just something you love, you know, it's hard to explain like a love for for a piece of art and, and you know, I just think of the films that, you know, a lot of the films that are really important to me, like Hitchcock's films and, and uh, Citizen Kane and, you know, all the classic sort of like studio era Hollywood films that we fell in love with like Howard Hawks' films, yeah, you know. The Thin Man. The Thin Man, yeah. and, and uh, you know, um, uh, His Girl Friday is one of my favorite films, you know, and it's just that black and white aesthetic. I've always been super jealous of Steven Soderbergh for getting to make one of his first films, a feature, uh, Kafka, entirely in black and white. And, and I've always admired that choice and wanted to emulate that. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, we we'll bring you something new with modern music. Where well, you can sit back and relax and take some of the
2: wonderful things we bring you, ladies and gentlemen. Let's give them a big hand. Let the rhythm
3: hit them. CJLO 60 AM. Check it out every Tuesday night, eight to nine for your hour of hip hop.
0: And you're listening to CJLO 1690 AM, www.cjlo.com. And you're just listening to an interview with Jason LePere, who's premiering his movie at Fantasia Fest this next week. And now we are going to go to a track. This is Boogie Down Productions with my philosophy on CJLO.
1: So you're a philosopher? Yes. Yes. Yes.
3: Yes. 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 I think very deeply. I think very deeply. I think very deeply. I think, I think, I think very deeply.
4: In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. Let us begin. What, where, why? like instructions to a game. See, I'm not insane. In fact, I'm kind of rational. rational when I'm asking who is more dramatic. Is this one or that one? The white one or the black one? Black black the public and I'll jump up to attack one. one. Terrorist one, one. is just the gotta lead a crew. Right up to your face and diss you. Miss Everyone you. saw me on the last album cover. Holding a pistol, something far from a lover. Beside my brother. S-C-O-T-T. I just laughed no one can defend. Number two, my philosophy Number one was poetry You know it's me, you know it's my philosophy Many artists gotta learn I'm not flammable, I don't burn So please stop burning and learn to earn respect Cause that's just what chaos chaos, collects See what do you expect when you rhyme like a soft pump You walk down the street and get jumped You gotta have style, Style. be Original. original And everybody's gonna wanna diss you Like me, we stood up for the South Bronx And every sucker MC had a response My posse from the Bronx is Bronx. In real, real life, we roll correctly. A lot of suckers would like to forget me, but they can't. Because like a champ, I have got a record of knocking out the frauds in a second. On the mic, I believe that you should get loose. I haven't come to tell you I got juice. I just Seconds, a teacher will begin to yeah. I play the nine and you play the target. You all know my name, so I guess I'll just start it. Or should I say start this? Start this. I'm the start artist. often new concepts and they're hardest. Yo, cause I'm Yo. a teacher and Scott is a scholar. It ain't about money cause we all make dollars. last why. I walk with my head up. When I hear whack rhymes, I get fed up. Rapper's like a setup. A lot of games. A lot of suckers with colorful But they don't care because their company's selling it. It's my philosophy on the industry. Don't bother dissing me or even wishing we'd solve it. So will begin to speak A little unrational. A lot of MCs like to use the word Dramatical. Fresh for 88, you suckers. 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 suckers.
0: And you're listening to Jello 6090 AM. That was Boogie Down Productions with KRS-One and Scott LaRock, and that was my philosophy. Today, we're talking with Jason LaPere, who is a writer and a director of movies, one of them premiering at Fantasia this week. And also, if you go to his website, which is just Jason LaPere, that's spelled J-A-S-O-N-L-A-P-E-Y-R-E.com, you can see lots of neat stuff, um, because there's a part of his career that we haven't really covered, and we won't be covering until it airs on my website uh, because I mostly I kept uh, the interview to the Fantasia stuff or his latest movies because he did three that came last year that are coming out this year but in between all that stuff uh, he was a first AD on two movies in 2005 and 2006 one was the Snow Queen the other was the Snow Fort as well in uh, like we mentioned earlier in 2006 he did the director's cut and during between that in between that time and now, he was mostly doing uh, rap videos, which is really awesome. So if you go to his website, you can see a whole bunch of them. Uh, we're going to play one track that he did a video for in a little bit. And they're, like, he uses some of the neatest gimmicks um, in these videos. It's not just like your standard rap video, you know what I mean? It, there's always something a little clever in each one, so it's, it's certainly worth checking out. Now we're going to go straight to the interview. This is Jason LaPere talking about his... Three movies, one of which is premiering at Fantasia this week, another which will be premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival later on in the year, and the third one is already out. All right, C.J. Lowe, 1690 AM, Jason Lepere.
1: The chronology was cold-blooded, the crime film, and then the documentary, and then I Declare War was the third one.
0: Okay. Um, Did you sleep at all last year?
1: No. I haven't slept slept since the 90s. Um, No, uh, basically it was like years and years of developing all of these projects and then through sheer coincidence, all of them triggering at the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it was this struggle to sort of make them work around each other. So the first thing that happened was... uh, Um, I was approached by a producer to write an entire movie that took place in an abandoned hospital because the producer had access to an abandoned hospital. So I came up with two ideas. Uh, One was a crime story, and the other was a zombie story. And he said, you know, because there's so little money to make this film, you're not going to be getting rich off this, so why don't you just write the one you want to write the most, and that'll hopefully motivate you a little more. And so I was allowed to write exactly the movie I wanted to, which was the crime story. That's really
0: excellent. Does that happen? Happen very often Not where someone often. shows up with money and a set and like go to town he didn't
1: show up with money he oh, okay. showed up with a set oh, okay. <laughs> um, but fortunately after the, fi- the script was written we approached Telefilm which is Canada's government financing program for films and uh, we applied to something called the Independent First Time Filmmaker Low Budget Fund and that is a program that gives you a very small amount of money to make a feature film and we were successful um, so we had Telefilm support Uh, to make that film Mm -hmm. Uh, so I made that and then immediately after that was done I had been paying the bills for the year before that with this amazing job where I was the artist in residence at a psychiatric unit
0: Okay, tell me so,
1: more. I answered, Did you
0: like art therapy with them? or
1: It was basically art therapy. I answered an ad for a filmmaker where they wanted someone to come in to the unit and teach the patients how to make films as oh, a okay. way to alleviate boredom. So um, the uh, patients in the psych ward are, they're basically just letting their medication kick in. So there's nothing to do in the unit. So it was a pleasure to go up there and show them how to work a video camera and make a little film and then use a laptop to edit it and put some music on it. So in the space of a day, we could make a little, you know, five-minute film, right? Um, So I agreed to do that job on the condition that at the end of the year, I'd be allowed to make a feature-length documentary about the unit mm-hmm. and the hospital after much negotiation and legal sort of like wrangling allowed me to make the film. Yeah you were in a pretty lucky spot there. A very lucky spot. So I shot that in February and then uh, after I finished that and I was editing both cold-blooded and the documentary I was approached by these producers in Toronto and they knew about my script for I declare war and had had it for a couple of years but had gotten into a situation where they had found some financing and they said we want to make I declare war uh, in a couple of months and we'd like you to direct.
3: Funny joke to-
0: And here's the CJLO 6090 AM. This is the Onomatopoeia Show where we talk about all graphic arts all the time. And that was Pip Skid from uh, Scratch Bastard doing his own thing. The track's called Tens of Dollars. And Jason LaPere, who is the interviewee we're speaking to today, is uh, the director of that video. And if you go to his website, jasonlepair.com, L A P E Y R E, you can see these videos because they're, oh, well, you can find them on YouTube too. But the thing is, it's like, I just really think they're neat because, well, the, the, this tens of dollars one is black and white. It's a total robbery heist thing. And the the flip of it is that the guy who starts out at the beginning of the video as the robber actually turns out to be, like, not even close to being a sidekick to the point where he's begging them to take them with him at the end of the video. And they, of course, just totally leave him there, which is really a very disappointing video in the end. But it makes for a very humorous situation. Uh, the other video... That he did with Pip Skid That's really cool. Is this one where he um, it it looks like he had like 14 different cameras on the guy, and then he like cut out bits and pieces of each um, Im- shot just to puzzle together his face. But really, what he did is he did made Pipskid do 14 takes of the same song, like in a row, and then layered those takes on top of each other. And anyways, I'm not a filmmaker, but it's it's crazy. He also did another one with this rapper, Gruff. Um, the song is called Philosophy, and it's where they... Um, It's sort of like how Michel Gondry would like animate photos, you know, and so the photographer took like 2,400 photographs and then they just like animated them together so that it's like this really jerky robotic movement, but it's, it still looks really sharp and it's pretty riveting. The other thing that we didn't, you're not going to hear us talk about that I should mention that I think is really important is Jason actually did um, a youth awareness video for um, like an anti-meth campaign. And, and instead of making it be like this cheesy sort of, um, you know, <laughs> just totally unrelatable to the youth of today, he created this sort of torture, um, well, they call it torture porn, but it's not really porn. It's just basically, you know, like the movie Saw, where it's like really gory and gross. But in this video, and it, it, he... He alludes to a lot, so it's not it's it's totally age appropriate for child like um preteens. But the thing is is basically his theory was that Crystal was this hot young chica and she's got her little, you know, snazzy car and she's taking the young man to her house and she's very seductive and she's making him feel really good. But then of course in the end everything she does to him is absolutely horrible, much like what happens to you when you become a crystal meth addict. So Jason does these really great sort of like factoids that are sort of um smashed into the screen as you're watching all the horrible things Crystal does to him. Like, for example, at one point, she's like pouring down a gallon of sludge down this poor kid's mouth and it's like, you know, Crystal Meth has tar and all this other icky carcinogen, all this other stuff in it that, you know, you shouldn't really be eating. And she like beats out his teeth because, you know, it destroys your mouth. And, you know, it, it really, it's a heavy-handed metaphor, but at the same time, it really makes its point. And I think that, especially the ending, you know, there was no happy ending and it, it like, it, it makes... It a little more haunting when you see the effect that it has on a person and how you can't just like there's no fit and complete sweet resolution in those kind of situations. Usually the endings are to get to that happy ending. It's a long, hard road for people who get started on meth. But anyways, my point is, is that it it was great. PSA, and there's that's something that I really think people should be doing, and, and to be kind of altruistic in your film career is really admirable. Okay, so we're going to go to the rest of the interview with Jason lepere Just to remind you, um, he's premiering a show tonight that he produced. Uh, it's called Capture Bird, and it's directed by... I have the paper here. <laughs> it's directed by Jovanka Jokovic, and I'm probably mispronouncing that. I'm sorry. But um, it's actually uh, the opening film for... Oh, what is that movie called? I have, I have the image of it in my head, but it's about, um a bunch of handicapped people competing in a race, the human race. That's what it's called. The human race. All right. Anyways, that's tonight of Fantasia. I'm actually going to go see Warped Forest. Sorry, Jason, (laughs) because I, that's a Japanese movie that's supposed to be fantastic, but people are just raving about and how it's heralding in a new era of cinema. And I'm very excited and curious to check it out. And then the next movie I'm going to go see is on Monday is Love Strikes. Now I didn't get to see any of my favorite sort of Korean romances or my Chinese romances, although I did get to see a Wuxia film, which makes me happy. Um, because a lot of them are playing while I'm working. So like I didn't get to see them, it makes me sad. But Love Strikes is a Japanese one and it's actually from the perspective of a young man. So I'm kind of excited to see that too because usually these kind of movies the young men, especially in Japanese movies, the young men are total pervs and they're not so romantic and it's usually the girl that's all like, "Oh, you know, bubbly and a uh, little hearts popping up everywhere." So I think I'm looking forward to the role reversal and pretty much anything you choose to see at Fantasia is fantastic. You know what I mean? Like literally fantastic. That's why it's called Fantasia. But uh, anyways, don't tell, it, let me tell you. Just go. There's lots of movies there and there's something for everybody. Even especially this year. Like last year and even the years before, really heavy on the horror films, but this year not so much. And so like I had a really hard time narrowing down what I was going to see. Maybe next year I'm just going to take the whole two weeks off and be obsessive compulsive like people I know in for the Vancouver Film Festival. But anyways, Alright, we're going to go to um, another track and then we're going to play the rest of the interview with Jason LaPere to remind you his show is actually premiering on the Tuesday at 7.30 uh, at the Hall Theatre. Is- no, it's the Jade DeCiv Theatre and it's called Cold-Blooded. And if you like Tarantino films, if you like tension-filled cat-and-mouse sort of films, actually um, one movie it reminded me a lot of is Mute Witness. I don't know if you have seen that. It's a Russian movie and it's like the woman who gets caught up in it is mute so it's even scarier and it's so- silence but yeah that's what cold-blooded reminds me of like i was gonna play the trailer for you but there's nothing happens in the audio lee in the trailer it's just like this pounding music and these horrifying images of tension but anyways it's it looks fantastic and you need to go see it but okay so the next track we're gonna play hmm is we're gonna play Action Bronson because this was I asked Jason because he's really huge into hip hop and I asked him like who is your favorite rapper right now and he told me about this guy Action Bronson who likes to rap about food now I have to be honest with you as a hip hop fan I find I listen to the whole album and I find Action Bronson's beats a little weak but his rapping style is interesting and I certainly love the fact that he raps about food so CJLO 1690 this is off his latest album uh, mixtape this is CJLO and Action Bronson
5: what did I want to bullshit for man No bullshit over here, kid. Straight from Queens, man. Flushing to be exact. Fuck the light at the end of the tunnel. Cause I'm living for today. Trying not to drown in a bottle. Death all around me. Drugs seem to me. Mental getting sicker. The devil's getting comfy. Acupuncture with the smoke like a Mesa Storm. Legs crossed like a Buddhist. Smoking Buddha. Angry tuna. Chilling, getting brain from Uma. Used to lose. Now everybody kangaroos. Hop off the schnitzel. See me off the cena. Smoking marijuana. Always been the same guy. Weather ballin' on the yacht. Or hauling from the cops. I'm flooring on the flash till I'm swallowed up in the box. So you gotta do is see me when you see me. I'm burning bitches from the TV like a CD. I'm trying to live the life in 3D. So you can nibble on my PP. We out in Fiji. From having money on my mind, I having money in my pocket. Bone marrow roasted, spread it on the rosemary bread, lightly toasted. Drizzle with the vinaigrette. Stuffed touches and it's pulling like a cigarette. Until I'm tan skin, bitches saying that I'm handsome. About to be up on the screen like Ted dancing. Suede loincloth. Never fall off, Mr. Wonderful, Paul on leather jacket, knee length. Piece of people getting money in the 80s with the free base. First time you get a free taste. That's the start of a career chase. I meet a cheese plate, skirt stay shaved, straight up off the diaphragm. Muay Thai title fights out in Thailand. I spit the flash in the company by fly band. Use the flows that have me diving up in thighs ten. Purple rain, no prince, I'm a solstice. Nobody body, but a pussy like it's no fish. The anti posse is a cold dish. Hey, yo, I'm focused. Cash me out in London, speaking Polish. Have the money on my mind, I having money in my pocket. Bone marrow roasted, spread it on the rosemary bread, lightly toasted. Drizzle with the vinaigrette. stuffed Dutchess and it's pulling like a cigarette.
3: Friday night from 6 till 8 on TJLO. Tune in. Turn on.
0: And this is cjello1690am and cjello.com. This is the Onomatopoeia show, where we talk about all graphic arts all the time. And today, you have been listening to an interview with Jason Lepere, who is a writer and a director, who's premiering a film at Fantasia Fest. Um, what you just heard was Action Bronson off his latest release. The track was called Tan Leather. And uh, did you hear that little bit about drizzling vinegar? And Yeah, I, I don't know. It cracks me up, actually. <laughs> but the rest of it. I meh, that's just me that's my taste whatever the other thing that I found really funny is that um he was talking about doing rap videos in Winnipeg and how like Winnipeg has this huge rap scene this is Jason LePaire. um because he was doing rap videos in Winnipeg and it's like I spent 13 14 and 15 my years my preteen years there and I I'm not surprised it has a good rap scene because that city is bleak and I would never move back there ever in a million years. I can't believe he actually voluntarily went there. But um, I'm sure it was for a good reason. Maybe to pay off some loans or something. <laughs> because, you, yeah, you couldn't pay me to move back to Winnipeg. That that's To me, it's like the, the pit of hell of Canada. <laughs> Sorry, all you people from Winnipeg. But I was born there. So I'm allowed to badmouth it. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to the movies. I wanted to read to you the write-up on... Um, Cold-blooded because, you know, don't take my word for it. Take uh, Christoph G's word for it as well. A jewelry store robbery has turned sour, leaving one of the masked burglars dead in a downtown Toronto alley and another one in a coma. And a bunch of diamonds missing in action. A young athletic policewoman, a solid Zoe Palmer, is sent to the local hospital to guard the comatose thief's room for the night. Cordero, the aforementioned petty criminal, soon wakes up and tries to talk his way out of an uncomfortable position and to escape the medical facility. However, Holland, his boss, is one bad mother, a real psychopath, and he's coming to get Cordero. And he won't stop until he gets his valuable rocks and until he knows who killed danny boy the other robber burglars cops doctors jewelers who's right and who's wrong there are only shades of gray to this awesome polished gem following his 2011 documentary film faceless jason leper impresses with his narrative feature debut his latest film i declare war just won a couple of prizes at the action fest 2012 and he co-produced his ex rumorg colleague's jovanka voc kovic's short film the captured bird which is also screening at fantasia this year tonight with a minimal budget, LePere efficiently uses his main location, a mostly abandoned hospital. His colorful yet believable characters uniformly give all they have in their quest for survival and justice. Between Kill Bill's bride and Dexter's Deborah, Palmer shines as a cute, tough, and driven cop. While loads of red blood cells will be staining the hospital's white tiles before the ending credits roll, the film's violence feels definitely real. Forget Reservoir Dog's ear-slicing trick, you ain't seen nothing yet. Gorgeously shot by Alwyn Kumpst and subsequently scored by Monster Brawl's Todor Kobakovs, plus some music by Scratch Bastard. The psychological and downright visceral thriller will have you on the edge of your seat for the whole course of its rollercoaster ride. Witty and gritty stuff, perfect for the Tarantino aficionados. Now, you can also go online to YouTube and see the trailer there. And I'm not kidding, like, it looks really intense and if that's your type of movie, then go! It's only eight bucks, come on! Alright, so, without further ado, we're going to finish the last uh, bit of the interview with Jason LaPere. You're listening to C-Jello, 1690 AM and c
1: about... Can you tell me what I Declare War is about? Yes, I Declare War is a film about a dozen 12-year-olds playing a game of war in the forest, but imagining that they have real weapons. Uh, Machine guns, Uzis, bazookas, grenades. And so in the film, we see what's happening through their imaginations. Uh, So you actually see these kids with fully automatic assault rifles.
0: Now, one question I had for you is you and I both grew up in Germany, and I was wondering, A, both of us from military families, B, both of us with the black Forest in the, our backyard with all these tank traps and trenches. How much of that was an influence on this movie?
1: All of it. <laughs> I mean,
0: because even I played those games with my brothers living on the military base. I, I was always the nurse, but
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, every every guy, like every guy who's twelve years old, plays war, right? Mm-hmm. Regardless of whether you're an army brat or not. But being an army brat and literally like having to show a picture ID to get to go to in and your, and
0: from in your, your house. dad's basement. There's all these things that you're imagining. My dad more museums like every second vacation.
1: My dad had a bazooka in our basement, right? Like it didn't work, but there was a bazooka in the basement. So of course being a military brat was like a huge influence on it. But I mean, really what the film is about, all of the military stuff is just a metaphor for what it's like to be 12. And it's about when you're 12, your emotions are out of control intense. Mm -hmm. And when you uh, have a crush on a girl, you don't have a crush on a girl, you're completely obsessed with her. Yeah, you live and And die by it. And if she ignores you, you you know you want to throw yourself off a bridge, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it, it all of the weapons and everything are just uh, a euphemism for how intensely you feel things when you're twelve.
0: Now I read a review that this reviewer felt that the movie was an allegory for bullying, and I saw the trailer and I didn't get that impression at all.
1: The, there's there's definitely a bullying storyline in the movie, but I think what happened was um, that review came out at exactly the same time that the bully documentary was out. Yeah, he, he
0: and, mentions it in the yes, review. Yes, yeah.
1: and the Hunger Games, which mm-hmm. is also about bullying so there's like this zeitgeist of bullying going on I don't know if that's going to continue when uh, the film comes out later in the year so yeah that may have just been a coincidence there's definitely a bullying thing happening mm-hmm. in the movie
0: though now was it really hard to get parents on board the parents of these children especially when they're running around toting these
1: actual weapons no they loved it and the parents loved it because the kids were so happy <laughs> <laughs> before we shot the film we took all the kids um, and we trained them for a full day like a boot camp yeah we had a boot camp with coordinator who trained them all to use the weapons right so there's one girl in the movie and she was being trained with a laser sighted crossbow to like shoot crossbow bullets at a target they were in heaven right like we actually made jokes about turning it into an annual summer camp (laughs) and kids would pay like ten thousand dollars to like attend this real life war camp (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm sure that would go over well with the liberals. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: So, um, no, the parents were so supportive. Because How did you the kids, find
0: these kids? Was it hard, or was it just auditions? It was auditions. It all it came together really easily. Casting agent,
1: yeah. A lot of the kids have worked on Canadian television before. Some of them have been in feature films before. But we got so lucky with the cast. They completely like blew everyone away with their performances.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, the, one of the other films you're premiering at Fantasia is uh, Capture Bird, which you helped produced. I was wondering, how did you attract the attention of the executive producer? It seems very appropriate that he's involved. Yes,
1: that was one of the most amazing experiences. The executive producer is Guillermo del Toro, and the director of the film is Ivanka Vukovic, for, who for many years was the editor-in-chief of Rue Morgue magazine, which is a horror movie magazine based in Toronto. And Ivanka is a total icon and a celebrity in the genre world. And so she's been traveling around to Film festivals for 10 years representing herself in the magazine and she is friends with Guillermo because for 10 years they've been going to Fantasia and Fantastic Fest and Sitges and festivals like that together so when the time came for her to make a film she um, wanted the, the support of the people that she knew could truly make her film excellent mm-hmm. so she called Guillermo and he was incredibly generous with his time and his one of the great things about um, Guillermo is that he is such a fan right Like, and he's like us when he loves something, he loves it yeah. unreservedly. <laughs> his his enthusiasm is so infectious, and, and his help was was a, was was completely genuine in that way. <laughs>
0: So are you attending any of the films at Fantasia Fest? Uh,
1: yes. Um, I, I, I'm actually going to a film tonight that was present, being presented by Drafthouse Draft House Films, which is the company that does Fantasia Fest in Austin, Texas. Uh, sorry, Fantastic Fest in Austin, <laughs> Texas. Uh, and so this is a film called Miami Connection. Yeah. It's supposed to be a hilariously bad movie. And Tim League, who um, brought the film here, uh, he runs uh, Fantastic Fest and Drafthouse Films, told me that they bought the print on eBay for $50. Right. And then um, that, that, that when they watched the film and they saw how much fun it was to watch, they sought out the director, who is now a taekwondo, taekwondo instructor in Miami, and they uh, bought the rights to the film off him. It's a
0: movie right there. I know, I know.
1: <laughs> and so I'm super excited to the, go to this midnight show at uh, Fantasia tonight.
0: Uh, what do you think is the future of film,
1: especially with 3D rearing its ugly head? Oh, God. <laughs> I have no idea. I, re- I really... Uh, here's what I think. People are not never going to stop gathering in dark rooms to watch stories together. 3D, 2D, $20, $2, we're never gonna stop gathering in dark rooms to watch stories. All the details, I don't know, but that's gonna stay the same.
0: Now what's in your future? Are you gonna rest next year?
1: (laughs) No way, man. Um, I'm trying to keep up the momentum. I want to make another film as soon as I can. I've already written the script. It's another dark crime story with kind of a humorous edge to it and I'm hoping that the momentum from these films will allow me to make that film as soon as possible.
0: Okay, plug Cold-Blooded one more time.
1: Uh, Cold-Blooded is a violent crime movie uh, in the tradition of Elmore Leonard and films like Out of Sight and Jean-Pierre Melville's um, crime films. It's playing July 30, Tuesday, July 31st at 7.30 p.m. at the J.A. DeSève Theatre at Concordia University as part of Fantasia Fest. I hope to see you there. Thank you very much, Jason. Bye.
0: And the CJO 1690 AM. This is the Onomatopoeia show where we talk about all graphic arts all the time. And that was Jason LaPere, the writer and director of the movie Cold-Blooded that he just promoted. Go see that Tuesday at 7.30. Also, you can go to his website to learn more about his movies at jasonlapere.com. And also, I wanted to mention that the movie that he will be working on in the future besides the one that he mentioned is one called memento mori which is an interesting uh, documentary about what happens to your body after you die and following three different individuals and their unorthodox ideas of what they want to happen to their body after they've passed on um this is directed by ovenka Jovovic <laughs> i'm totally mangling her name i'm so sorry <laughs> who's premiering the film tonight um the, the captured bird alright so let's go to the last track this is Public Enemy and you're listening to CJLO 1690 AM and CJLO.com oh yeah yeah So last week, I was telling you about dragons, and I was like, oh yeah, dragons, dragons, and yeah, dragons are coming, and I couldn't tell you about the dates because the website didn't give me any information, but I did do my research this time. The dragons will be here from the 15th to the 19th of uh, of August at the Bell Center, and it's going to be like that um, dinosaur thing where they're animatronic and life-sized, and it's sort of like a how-to-train-your-dragons thing with dragons, but there's going to be like 23 dragons. It's going to be sick. Anyways, I'm, I'm... gonna go because when am I ever gonna be near anything so bloody cool all right so Cjlo 1690 public enemy go to fantasia enjoy yourself in this beautiful weather
6: Yo, Chuck, bust the move, man I was on my way up here to the studio, you know what I'm saying And this brother stopped me and asked me Yo, what's up with that brother, Chucky D? He swear he nice I said, yo, the brother don't swear he nice He knows he's nice, you know what I'm know saying? saying So, Chuck, I got a feeling you're turning into a public enemy, man Now, remember that line you was kicking at me On the way out to L.A., in Queens, Queens, Queens While we was in the car on our way to the shop Well, yo, right now, kick the
2: bass for them brothers And let them know what goes on Pulling stones to the rap, you not bragging Look bigger than Jagger, not sagging. It's brother backwards, I'ma leave it at that. That ain't got nothing to do with it. Let go, go. Effects, expose those cats Who pose as heroes, take advantage of blacks The government's gangsters so cut the crap A war going on, so where y'all at? Fight for power, cause they responsibility F the police, but who's stopping you from killing me? This ass, is fiasco's a loop by P.E. If it's I instead, we believe in TV Spread the rich bitches this new thing about snitches Watch the masses move as the masses switches System distant, but barely missed her My soul and gonna save my brothers and sisters Get up!
6: Man, that's what you gotta do You got to tell them just, just like, that, like that You know what you I'm know saying? Cause yo, let me tell you a little something, man These brothers running around hard-headed They get a little jealous, you know what I'm saying? Just like that, you know they try to bring you down
2: with them But yo, Chuck,
6: you got to tell them
2: just, just like that, that Screaming gangster 20 years later Of course it does, while so consciousness faded New generations believe in them fables Gangster boogie on two turntables So no love, so it's easy to hate it Desecrated while the and awaited any given Sunday, so we all it. with slavery, lynching, and them drugs infiltrating like I'm like that doll, Chucky, baby. Keep coming back to live love life like I'm crazy. Keep it moving, rising to the top. Duck, first, clean, living, you don't it's stop. Like death, death, death. Revolution means change, don't look at me strange. So I can't repeat what other rappers be saying. If you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. Harder than you think is a beautiful thing. Get up!
6: That's what you gotta do, you got to tell them just like that You know what I'm saying? Cause yo, let me tell you a little something, man These brothers run around hard like, They get a little jealous, you know what I'm saying? Just like that, you know they try to bring it
2: down with them But yo, Chuck, you got to tell them just like that so it's time to leave you a preview, so you too can review what we do. Twenty years in this business, how yourself, soul, she whiz, people bear witness. Thank you for letting us be ourselves, so don't mind me if I repeat myself. These simple rhymes be good for your health, to keep them crime rhymes on the shelf. Live love life like you just don't care, 5,000 leaders never scared. Rain the noise, the moment they fear Get up, still a beautiful yeah, idea yeah, Get up, throw your hands in yeah, the air yeah, Get up, and show sure no fear Get up if y'all really care You ain't 20 years, now get up Yeah, that's right Republican me number one in New York Republican so enemy, enemy number
3: one in Philly no, yeah, right. Republican enemy yeah. number one in D.C. Republican yeah. enemy number one in Cleveland, Ohio All the Republican Army number one in St. Louis